welcome to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, where Weaver professionals talk about business and accounting. We'll explore a wide variety of topics from tax law and accounting standard changes to managing cyber, fraud, financial, and operational risks. What do these issues mean to your business? Join us as we go beyond the numbers to find out. Welcome to the Weaver Real Estate Podcast with Howard and Rob, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the real estate industry. I'm Rob Nowak, as always. I'm joined by Howard Altshuler. We're both partners with Weaver, the leading real estate accounting firm in Texas. You like what you hear? Of course you do. You want to learn more? Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We release new episodes every week. You can check us both out on LinkedIn and on every social media platform. Head over to weaver.com to download show notes and white papers with our content. Brought to you by Weaver and Tidwell, weaver.com. This is going to be the first of a multi-part series starting out 2021. Looking forward in some trends that may be in store for real estate in the next year. 2020 is a distant memory in the rearview mirror. I'm looking forward to 2021. Well, as an auditor, I'm always looking in the rearview mirror. So um, I've got to live 2020 for a little bit longer to get through busy season. 2021 has got to be better than 2020. And so let's chat a little bit about why we think that's going to be the case. Some aspects of the way we do business that are going to be forever changed, whether that be within, let's say, asset classes like office and retail, retail shopping and and experiential shopping, which we've spent some time Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. So let, let me ask you a question. What do you think some of those uh, 2020 lessons are that are going to move forward as improvements into 2021? We don't always have to look at what happened as, you know, a negative. What are some of those positives that you think we carry into 2021? Good question. I mean, before I get into any of that, I do want to say that I think what we're looking for in 2021 is obviously going to be predicated on people getting better in in terms of health-wise, that they're not being, the pandemic slows down or stops, that the vaccines get rolled out, that people take the vaccines, and that we get to a point where either through just the vaccine or just general mutations, the virus becomes something that either goes away, which I kind of don't expect, or something we can live with like the flu. Now, that being said, probably, you know, one of the biggest things that happened is the acceleration of the e-commerce trend. You know, I've heard so many times over the course of the last couple of months as people are starting to reflect on what happened, that the pandemic really caused us as a whole to basically compress what was going to be years worth of changes into months or weeks mm-hmm. or days in some cases. Yeah. And so it's really, you know, there's not a ton of really new trends. It's just acceleration of trends much more so than people were expecting. And so I think the biggest one is going to be, you know, the e-commerce. People got used to shopping at home. A lot of people who, especially the older demographic who hadn't been doing e-commerce much before, really started to use it, started to like it, and are going to continue to like it. Um, I cite as an example, my mother, who's like, I may never go to the grocery store again because she liked the way she was able to do online shopping. I think that's going to probably be one of the biggest things. I think the other thing is going to be the work from home for people who can work from home. I think as I had expected, I think we're finding that the luster is worn off of work from home. And while yes, there are some really good advantages to it, and there's some good opportunities, uh, the thought that we had at the beginning that everything was going to go to home all the time is probably not going to happen. Um, I think we will see more work from home, but I think it'll be more of a couple days a week type thing. And therefore that's going to potentially have an impact on office space. And ultimately, because people will be spending more time at home in terms of whether it's houses or multifamily apartments, um, how they're laid out and Mm -hmm. how people utilize the space in order to take advantage of that. 
there are, I think there are a lot of things that are going to need to happen if that permanently takes root. And you hinted at one of them, and that is the design of homes. If that's going to happen, there needs to be a, an immediate change in architecture and design to accommodate that. Because how many Zoom calls do we sit on where somebody is sitting in a closet or they're sitting in the, the second bedroom or at their kitchen and there's folks, other folks working in the same space interacting around them? I think that is going to have to be a trend that accelerates if work from home is really going to take hold. Or we or there needs to be a, a further creation of co-working spaces in you know high rises or in condo type buildings. Yeah, I agree. And if you recall, earlier in the year, we had a a webcast with an architect who had talked about some of the changes that they're starting to see um, going into some of the apartment planning and design, kind of maybe moving things around in the house or an apartment so that you have a better use of the space or more privacy, expanding the size of kitchen islands Mm -hmm. to accommodate your computer and a microphone. So a lot of things like that are already happening. The co-working thing is going to be interesting because there's going to be, yeah, I think that'll be a really good amenity to have an apartment complex that has a area where people can co-work. It'll be good from a social standpoint. It'll be good from a connectivity standpoint. You'll probably have soft drinks or water, coffee, copying machines, things like that to basically help printers, I should say, to help make things better or more efficient. But at the same time, it's going to be a matter of, is that free? Is that something you have to pay for? WeWorks and some of the other co-working spaces are still struggling to kind of get their models right in order to make it work. You add to the mix the fact that there might be some co-working spaces and apartments that may just add to the challenge. And will we get to a point where there's maybe between the existing co-working spaces and co-working and apartments and people who are still hanging out at coffee shops, too much supply. You mentioned shopping and I caught an article today Macy's is opening, uh, reopening some stores, and this is local here. It's at Fort in Fort Worth at West Bend, mm-hmm. where they're opening an off-mall retail store. And you think of Macy's, you think of Anchor Space, Big Box, unless it's a specialty home store. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to browse around. There's going to be multiple departments with escalators. Macy's has already started to adapt. And I think they're going to be a leader here in that their concept is going to be a more open retail store concept, not in a mall, not an anchor space. So it's going to be a slightly different Macy's experience, but they're already looking forward on how does design change How does layout change? How does the shopping experience change? What do you think of that? That makes a lot of sense. People are kind of a little bit reluctant to go to malls just to go shopping. You need that experiential experience (laughs) to to, to make that work. The other thing too is if Macy's is doing this more from a ground up standpoint, it can enable them to have a better layout of their stores, um, could potentially have more flexibility in terms of merchandise of what goes where and when. Uh, But also you from a, think about it from just a supply chain standpoint in terms of, does that create a lot of opportunity for Macy's to be able to expand on their shopping at home and pick Mm -hmm. up at the curb or, you know, be a a distribution hub, for lack of a better word, that's going to be somewhat last mile. Take that store. And if it's, you know, I don't know how big it is, let's say 60,000 square feet. If you take 10, 15,000 of that square feet and you turn it into a backroom warehouse, that can support a lot of um, online sales. I think it was, it's interesting in the same article, I noticed this is a newer strategy for Macy's. And the strategy was first launched in February of 2020 before the pandemic hit, before we started to shut down. Mm -hmm. And that was when their first such location was launched, which tells me this has obviously been thought bubbles for a number of years to move an organization like that. Remember, not new trends, acceleration of trends. No, you're right. It's Mm -hmm. an acceleration. Mm -hmm. And and we've said multiple times, you know, the the pandemic was the great leveler. It, It accelerated those trends. It brought that to the surface and caused us to very quickly, as you said, had to adapt 
and divorce ourselves of some of those practices that ultimately we're going to become dinosaurs. We just, this was the meteor that probably caused them to grow more extinct uh, that much more quickly. Hotels, we've been talking, we've talked about hotels on a couple of webcasts and everyone's been waiting for the other shoe to drop. When are the hotel deals going to start happening? When are we going to see the value plays? Based upon a lot of the conversations I've had specifically with lenders, are we going to see those hotel deals? Because I mean, let's think about it. I'm a lender. My options are two. One, I can work with you and I can restructure your debt. Or uh, you can flip me the keys. I don't know how to run a hotel as a banker. That's a very difficult asset to manage and operate. And at the risk of that asset sitting dormant and vacant, well, what's better to have a 20%, 25% occupancy rate, right? Restructure the debt, work it out with you, spread those payments out over you know the next three to four to five years versus me owning the asset. I mean, do we think that trend is going to change? Hotels are really going to be tricky. Obviously, like we've talked about, there's the haves and the have-nots in the hotel industry. Your haves being your limited service hotels, your um, resort destinations, hotels on the coasts, um, where you can still generate some traffic. The hotels that are going to be more challenged are going to be you know the ones in the cities. Think New York, think Chicago, yeah. think Los Angeles, San right. Francisco that are having serious issues with lockdowns, tourism going away, conventions going away. I, I think, again, it's going to be a, it goes back to the acceleration of the trend. It's like, if you have a hotel that was doing well and has some strong fundamentals and you have a fair amount of equity in it, I think there's an opportunity that you're going to have to be able to hold on to it. It may be a matter of working with your lender. A lot of it depends on who your lender's with. I think if you're with a C, if you have a CMBS loan and you're dealing with a servicer who has less flexibility to, to make changes or to provide some forbearance or some help, um, you could be in, in a harder spot than if you're working with a single lender who has some decision-making capability. But I will say that I read in the last couple of weeks an article, it was a headline on BizNow about a large hotel management company that's having some serious financial problems. I read yesterday about a hotel in New York that was given back to the lender who yep. happened to be a special servicer. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard to say, but I, I think Yes, there will be some distressed opportunities in hotels. I think there'll also be some distressed opportunities um, in other industries, maybe not industrial. Um, but I do think as a whole, the amount of distressed opportunities are not going to be even close to what I think everybody was expecting back last April, May, June. I agree with you. And if, if 2020 taught us nothing else, it's that it was a year that uh, defied all predictions. In the next episode, we're going to continue talking more about what might be in store for the real estate industry in 2021. You are listening to the Weaver Real Estate Podcast. Now, the most important part of our program is the listeners. So thank you all for listening. And please, please, please help the show grow. Like, share, and recommend us to your friends in the industry or anyone that wants to stay current on real estate industry trends. You can find us both on LinkedIn at, at Howard Altshuler and at Rob Nowak. The program was brought to you exclusively by Weaver Tidwell, Weaver.com. Go to Weaver.com to download show notes and white papers with all of our exclusive content. That's Weaver.com.